Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Hey, Jenny, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm pretty good. That's awesome. And we're here for our final week where we're going to look at some of the entries that have been received to date for PFSO Your Stash. Keeping in mind that as we record this, there's still more than a week left for people to be contributing to this. And we're really excited to see how you've been working your way through your stash of patterns, of ideas, of fabric, of notions, of accessories, etc. It's going to be really fun. And of course, tagging your goods in that way offers you the opportunity to win a $50 gift certificate for Beverly's local fabric store, Domesticity, That's which is right. what I also visited. That's right. Yes, this month's sponsor is Create Domesticity. It's actually the shop is called Domesticity. And um, it's a lovely, lovely shop. And whoever gets this gift certificate, I'm very jealous because I could spend that in about without even thinking about it in that store. So, okay. Well, what have you been working on, Jenny? Oh, my goodness. So um, as as I mentioned a little bit on my Instagram, we've had a court case we've had to go to. It's something that um, the, the hashtag me too movement was revelatory for us. It was something where we could feel like we weren't alone in what we were going through. And so, because I am who I am, when we had to go in and wait for our court date, um, I made, I made little me too zipper bags for everybody who came to support my daughter while she was going through what she was going through. And I made one me too napkin for her mother-in-law. And then my daughter was crying so much that um, that she had to take the napkin. So I so I owe, I owe my my daughter's mother in law um, some more napkins that are are less dirty. Um, <laughs> but I was working on those and carving a rubber stamp for some of the craft fair items I'm going to do. So I've carved a stamp um, that that says "Eat the Rich." Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> So how'd that come out? How'd that stamp it come came out? out? It came out really well, but to be fair, I cheated. It's like the simplest stamp in the world. It's a, it's a big, it's a circle where the stamped area is the whole circle. And all, all I had to do was carve out the letter. Okay. okay. <laughs> so it was, it was really easy. I am working next on one that says fatter IRL and <laughs> so that's a little more complicated, uh-huh. but that's my next one that I'm going to do. So there'll be samples I'm sure appearing on my Instagram sometime soon, but I, I haven't quite got there yet. Um, I'm also working on a stretch velour toaster sweater and the toaster sweater is by Sohouse seven. That's one that was recently, I'm going to say the last six months updated to new sizing. And I had never made it until Seams Fabric reached out to me and said it was their pattern of the month and that they were super interested in seeing if I'd collaborate again this month, like I did several months ago for their um, anniversary month uh, and make a a Soho 7 toaster sweater out of a fabric that they selected, which was a, well, they told me I could pick any fabric, but that they would appreciate it if it was this particular velour. And of course, I'm like, you know, that sounds like a sumptuous little sweater to have. Mm -hmm. So 
So I am uh, making that. That'll be up on my Instagram prior to this uh, episode airing, I believe. And um, both of those items are on sale at so at Seams Fabric right now. In any case, I love the sweater. I actually made a full-on toile of it that I've talked about previously out of the COVID bird fabric. Yeah, with pink right. Them. And it's really comfortable. I've reached for it a couple of times when the mornings have been in the 60s. So um, it feels like it's a successful one that's going to stay in my closet a little bit longer. Um, just before this episode comes out, I'll have had my next big closet sale mm. and, uh, hopefully that will have gone well. But, uh, my point would be, I don't believe there will be toaster sweaters in the closet sale because I am, I am finding those to be a, a very usable item. Um, but I have even more important update related to the New York times crossword puzzle, which I subscribe to and have for some time. And I subscribe to it because I like the statistics. <laughs> I like to know what my solve rate is, how many stupid puzzles I've done, and more importantly, how many I've successfully completed in a row without not getting one. And sometime last week, there was an update. I'm going to guess either to the crossword app or to my phone, iOS, whatever. And it logged me out and didn't tell me. Mm. And so when I logged back in, it broke my streak. And my streak isn't even an impressive one. It's 78 days, which to me feels amazing because that does include Sunday puzzles. But that's a huge streak. First of all, I don't think I could solve one New York Times crossword. It fucking logged me out and I was really, 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 really pissed. And I put my picture in the show notes of my statistics and you can see (laughs) how you watch the blue bar go up the beginning of the week. I'm making them pretty quick. That's my solve time, my average solve time. Mm -hmm. You get to Sunday and it's like three times the average of Monday solve time. It takes some effort, man. But (laughs) That's funny. And what really pisses me off is that 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 longest streak doesn't even represent my longest streak. Not only was it broken midweek and I didn't know about it, but the other part of it is that there was a long time I didn't realize that in the online version of the crossword puzzle, when the clue, when the answer is like rebus is what they call it, when the answer in a square has to be something else, like there'll be some of them where usually on a Friday, um, all of the, there's a whole bunch of squares that have to have an A and a B both in them in order to complete the puzzle. And I didn't know how to put an A and a B mm. in the one square online. On paper, mm. I'm very familiar with smaller handwriting, but but when you're doing it online, I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? And finally, one week I looked it up and I'm like, oh shit. So all those weeks where every Friday I'm not getting the puzzle, like I'm mm-hmm. not succeeding, I fill in all the squares. I know what the answers are. I just don't know how to technically do it. So there were weeks like that should have counted. It should have been bigger than 78. It's just, I didn't know how to do it technically. Now I do. There's a button that says more, and then you put rebus, and then it'll let you type whatever the fuck you want in those squares. Letters, numbers, colors, it's happy. Anyway, that's, um, so yeah, that would be my message is the New York Times crossword puzzle is a stinker when it logs you out and doesn't tell you. (laughs) What have you been up to? Well, I've been doing more work on my creative hinderland class. Um, I learned how to add ease to the bodice and make it into a jacket. Um, I thought it would just be sort of making um, like the bigger size, but that's not actually how it works, Um, which I guess it it makes sense. It's just like if you were to... um, make a um a plus sized version of something you wouldn't just make a 
a tiny bit bigger, there's proportions that change. And so when you make a jacket, I was kind of surprised in how the proportions work, you know, lengthening shoulders, making the shoulder cap smaller, actually, or like less deep was kind of interesting to me, but you you're adding more fabric. So anyways, it was, it was, um, uh, it's been an interesting journey for me. I'm very glad to have somebody holding my hand in all these steps. I could not do this by myself. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't know all these things to do. So that's interesting. Uh, that's what I'm working on. I, I want to take the class except for the part where I know I wouldn't put the hard work in the way that you are. And so I would be nervous to do it, but what I'd like to do is to like, I think we talked about this in a previous episode. I'd like to take the class where I get like three people to subscribe to the class and we all go to a cabin in the woods and do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would take a long time. Um, So the interesting thing is this jacket I've been working on like all week. And um, like I made a twall for the um, to make the like the easy style bodice. I made a twall for that. I'm making another twall to see that the, the style lines are working and stuff. And so by the time, you know, it's, it's a lot of work that I'm putting into this. And I guess it's good too, because it's, you know, right now I have enough clothes, so it's helping me to slow down a bit too. So, so the new vision for my class for this then is when I move to Mexico and buy a house that has four bedrooms or whatever, and a courtyard, we could do the sewing in. Then I hold retreats where people pay for it. And there we all you just go. go together. There Only you go. Probably develop my own classes. But the point would be Mexican vacation sewing. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, great. Perfect. That's great. Okay. Great. That's solved. Uh, okay. I love it. I'm really, I really do enjoy listening every week to how you're, how you're doing and what you're doing with it. It's so exciting to me. And I'm so proud of you that you actually dig in and make a thing like that happen. For me, it would just be aspirational. I'd pay the money and then be like, I guess I'm never going to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been fun. It's been fun. Real. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about some new patterns. The first one I put in here is the duet duet skirt from green style. And it is basically like, a. I think of this as like a running skirt. It's a skirt. It's um, like made with athletic fabric. Um, and they have, you know, Green Styles, one of these companies that gives you all kinds of options. But it's basically in the way the waistline treatment is. And I guess the skirt, how full the skirt is. Or if you do. Yeah, I think that's what it mostly is. Um, it's perfect for running or for people to play pickleball. Or if you just want to be comfortable in a short skirt. What is pickleball? Oh, um, pickleball is like the fastest growing sport in the United States. And um, when you go to Mexico, you will definitely hear about this because it is um, very popular in among older people, retired people. Um, but and like a whole bunch of people are getting injured because you're getting real competitive with it and stuff. But it's like easier tennis. It's tennis played with a wiffle ball and a smaller version of the court. That's not badminton. No, badminton uses a. a I know you use a shuttlecock, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, it just, it's it no, just it's very like different from that. It's 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 much more like tennis in that it bounces and everything, oh, okay. and 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 it, it's fast because you know um, it's it's actually a lot of fun. You play with like a racquetball kind of ha- paddle. And I played it. Um, and actually, for my birthday, I got like a set to do it. And Jim and I have never gone and done it, but we need to go do that. Um, it's fun, actually. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. So I anyway, badminton and racquetball. Racquetball is that even a thing now? Yeah. Like it feels like you know there was a period in the eighties where everybody was doing it. There were racquetball courts everywhere. We had public it's racquetball true. courts. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Less people do it. Seems like it's just for uh, business people now or something. Um, <laughs> but if you, if you um, if you would like a skirt and you are more in the market for a free pattern, um, Mood has a free skirt pattern called the Arbor Skirt, and um, that might be worth a try for you. I linked that also. Yeah, and that one's one. It's to me, the mood pattern body measurements have always been sort of wild because it's one of the few where, where my waist and hip are like in the chart in the same size, which never happens. So, so they are a little bottom heavy. I fall between two sizes. Like I'd be the size 29 instead they, of the 28 uh, or 30, but my waist and hip ratio is exactly right for mood. They made it just for you, Jenny. I mean, it's wild. The other thing that's super cool about it is that it does have one of those clever, like jogging pant legging pockets where it's just yeah. a tube that goes straight down under the skirt. So it's like robbery averse. Uh, yeah. Because it's hidden they by have the that in the, um, in the green style one too. Oh, I totally believe you. The green style one, I think looks really interesting. I think I like my skirts um, more pencil skirty than I do um, gathered. So oh. it's like it's got an option for both uh, in, in this one. I think that's really great. Um, and of course, the, the, next, uh, the next pattern we wanted to talk about is actually an expansion. And that's new for Style Arc, isn't it? Yes. Style Arc has done an expansion pack for the Montana dress. And what's crazy is I think I own the Montana dress and I never made it because in the end I was like, it's not a dress I want. I don't know why I bought this, but I see the expansion pack and I'm like, oh, this must be why I bought the dress. <laughs> so I want the expansion pack because I does. love this. Um, yeah. The interesting thing here is like now I've got all these skills and I'm like, oh, yeah, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. But it is a very nice expansion pack. OK, so let's first tell everybody the Montana dress for those that don't like memorize the names of all the style arc patterns um, is a very simple like um medium fitting bodice with a gathered skirt, uh, long gathered skirt. It is a sleeveless bodice and it kind of, it has a pretty high neck on it, but, um, with a sewn down facing, it looks like from the line drawings. Yeah. So the options are a V neck with a front seam, um, which is an easier way to do a V neck than, you know, than, than with a, yeah, yeah. no, I agree. I and agree, then, but it, but it's a nice look. I mean, it's it just, a nice it look. Something. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of reminds me like of the uh, dragon fruit, right? How it's coming together there. I agree with you. Yeah, and then the next style is um, it's also a V neck, but a little bit different, and it has a collar on it. It looks like a ruffly collar there. Yeah, I and I thought again, a, just a really nice little touch. Yeah, and then there's a grown on sleeve with a button front which I, I like that look of a button front. Right. Um, there's a bell sleeve. There's a three-quarter inch sleeve with a, uh, what you'd say, a circle skirt on the bottom uh-huh, of that's the sleeve, right. the flounce. <laughs> and then there's just kind of a, a short sleeve, m- medium sleeve, maybe a little bit shorter than three-quarter, half half 
length sleeves. So I think that's a really nice thing. And you can either get, if you do not already have the Montana pattern, they have a combo where you can get both in there. Um, so I think it's a, it's a nice little extension pack. Yeah, I thought it was too. I think that that is um, 100% what I needed to go with my Montana dress to make it really exciting to me because I think I think it's it's just a nice look. I think everything about it is really clever. Yeah, I liked it as a first foray into it and I'd really love to see some of their other patterns um, see some of this treatment. I'd love to see the Hope Woven dress have some other options become available. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, you that'd know. be good. That'd be good. And this one's such a good base dress. If you're not doing something like you are with the Hinterlands dress, the uh, Montana midi dress pattern is a good base dress. And if you can start to add different sleeves onto it, if you can start to change the neckline, you have a thousand dresses available. That's to true. You. That's true. So, I think that's a, that's a, that's a great point. So I, I, I like this as a, an in-between <laughs> yeah. learning to do your own and, and not. So now there is one other thing we wanted to talk about that isn't really a new, a new sewing pattern, but it is a new Instagram ca account called Honest Pattern Reviews. And um, Honest Pattern Reviews came out um, maybe two weeks ago as we're recording this, possibly. And it's uh, got 1,300 followers already and um, just a big pile of controversy as well around it. Um, they have, as of to date, made eight posts. Um, it is an anonymous account. Nobody knows who it is, except presumably the person who created the account. Would, <laughs> or you hope that they're aware of it. Um, it feels like they almost have to be. Um, but there's been uh, there's been a whole lot of thoughts and feelings around it. And we were going to just sort of talk, I think, a little bit about that. I will say right now there are eight postings, one of which is just announcing that the, pattern, that the account exists. Um, the, the first post after that is talking about the Byham London dress, London dress and all the things that didn't work about that dress for them as part of that, that honest, honest review. Um, the next one talks about, uh, the Wixton shift dress. Um, and then, uh, there's one from a company I'm not aware of called the MS Courtney top named clothing is mentioned. I don't do much with named clothing because of course they don't come up to my body size and in many of their things at any rate, um, the read address, um, some, then they posted one, I think probably in response to some of the negative commentary that they've received saying, Hey, share a designer who does a great job yeah. with their PDF pattern formatting, tiling and assembly, because that is a whole other thing that almost never gets mentioned That's when true. you're putting a thing together and you're like, shit, none of this ever, <laughs> none of it ever lines up. I am checking the box. It is definitely one inch. <laughs> it doesn't line up. There are things that don't quite match on it. And it's usually like little things, but people don't tend to complain about that. Well, and I also think that there's people, there's, there's companies that have figured out a easier way to keep it lined up. I think that originally they, they probably all line up, but, um, it, it make, there's certain ways that they can print things on, they can add to yeah. it to make it easy yeah. to stay, to stay together the right, you know, they so can. I think they we're asking for that. But I will say that, um, as an example, uh, Charm Patterns, uh, Gertie, released, um, released a pattern to her Patreon group where the pieces would not match. Oh, They, they okay. simply wouldn't. She was aware of it. She chose not to change it. Um, it was called out and it was just like, well, now everybody knows this isn't going to be right and here's how you fix it. And it was like, 
what the fuck? So yeah, so there are there are definitely instances where it's sure. perhaps less well-intentioned than you're assuming. Okay. Um, and then there was a conversation that occurred that I found interesting and I'd like to kind of zero in on in a moment about Vic, Vicky Sows. Mm-hmm. And the, the comment that someone made that got posted was, they give me the creeps, you have to pay a full price pattern for each size. Yeah. Which feels biased towards, they said skinny people, but I think it's really biased towards people who have, who match the block more closely. I mean, um, but when I read about that, I thought that was, I I think for everyone, that's an annoying thing. Also, yes. even if you buy more than one, it doesn't print it's, them on the same right. thing. It doesn't print them on the same thing. So you still, it's such a, I, that's a I've dumb never thing. bought a pattern from this person and that's a big part of why. And then Jennifer Lauren Handmade was the final one that's been posted so far. And it talks about how amazing the Dolce pattern the Dolce Pinafore pattern is that it's good, um, that it is immaculately trued up, um, which she is, this person says they've never seen in a plus size pattern. All the details are really good. Um, and, and so forth. And they mentioned that they had to do a lot of work to make it fit their body, but mm-hmm. doing that work is so much better when you're starting with a high quality pattern. So one of the things I want to call out right off the bat is that honor, honest pattern reviews doesn't have to mean negative. It means negative. Usually I think when you think about anonymous, because people are uncomfortable giving that feedback in a public space. And that may be because like my experiences with Gertie, because you know, there's going to be pushback. There are big fans of that brand. who are going to push back at you. We're going to attack you. Mm-hmm. It may be because, um, because you, you know, you feel friendly towards the person because you've modeled for them because mm-hmm. you've um, done done all kinds of other things. It may be because you've given the person feedback and they blocked you instead of Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. resolving the issue. There are reasons why anonymity may be important. It's, it's something that I liken to workplace programs where giving people an anonymous way to complain about a problem in the workplace is so critical because it's not about whether or not it's a good workplace or a bad workplace. It's about the fact that there's a power structure associated with the complaint Mm -hmm. and that the person making the complaint isn't the one who holds the power. And I believe that to be 100% true when you're talking about pattern making and pattern design. The the commercial company, whether it's a small company made up of one person who cries at night because they have such a hard time doing it, or made up of 400 people who are all cheerful in their work, it doesn't matter what it is. There's still power in being the person who makes the design, who has the creation part of it, and there's less power in the part of the person who's buying it. And so it can be a very uncomfortable space. So I think anonymity, to me feels really critically important and is part of how we're going to learn things in a sewing community that otherwise don't get talked about. Everybody's not me. Everybody's not willing to say, oh my God, I tried this pattern by this designer and and it didn't even kind of fit my body. I mean, Mm -hmm. like the measurements on the envelope don't look at all (laughs) like the actual output of the garment. Mm -hmm. Or I tried this thing and they think my neck is 30 inches because I'm fat. I mean, and I've said those things about pattern designers by name because I'm me, I'm a different person. But most people I think are really uncomfortable with that. So that's one thing I want to call out about it is anonymity doesn't have to mean negative, but part of why it does is seen in the comments on these posts. When you have people attacking the anonymity and saying, you're just going to be a hating site, when I don't believe that's the intent of the person who put it up, that's not the impression I get from their responses. You are also saying, you are also essentially hitting back at the person who had something negative to say about a pattern design, which is probably why they didn't want to do it publicly to begin with. It's not, not even that you don't want to stand behind your words. It's that it can be scary 
to not know what level of, of pushback you're going to receive. Yeah. Anyway, that's my perspective just on a first thing. Like I say, I do want to dive a little bit more into some of the commentary on these, but what do you think? So I originally was like, oh, this will be great. This will be give us information and we can talk about it on the podcast and stuff. So I followed it right away. I've already unfollowed it. And the reason is because I get asked up about stuff and then I get it's not good for me. So um, the problem is, is not with the reviews. It's with the comments. And I <laughs> it's just like what they always say, don't read the comments, but I don't have that kind of willpower. So I have to just not follow it because if I see it, I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to get worked up one way or another. And the reason what I'm talking about with the comments is that people will be. So first of all, one thing I think is true is that just because a pattern didn't work for somebody else does not mean it won't work for you. Obviously, right? There's people who, you know, um, I think it's interesting. There was all this about the Hannah. And I know that there's lots of people in the sewing community who the Hannah has worked beautifully for. So it's nothing against um, by Hannah. Right. So I'm not sure how I think that it can be helpful to hear if there's a specific thing that's a problem for someone. I think that can be helpful. What I find then is that the the people in the comments just get real nasty with each other about this kind of thing. And to me, I I, I don't like it. I don't want to either side of it, defending or whatever. I just I can't be part of it. And um, so for me, it's not that helpful, but I can see I think maybe for you, you have a different perspective on it. I, I come at it from a different place. And part of that is because when you start reading through the comments, what comes becomes problematic to me is the number of people who are like, whatever, who cares if they don't fit fat people, <laughs> whatever, who cares if the grading shitty for fat people, everything isn't for everybody. Now, how do you feel about a statement like that? Is that, yeah. is that where you land on pattern design? If I find a pattern that's designed by somebody who only goes up to a 38 inch hip, yeah. So is it, I is it okay or appropriate that I'm pissed about that, that that makes me angry. And right. there's a lot of dismissiveness from people who are straight sized and even worse, people who have influence in the community, people mm-hmm. who represent large brands of sewing tools and things like that, who come in and say, yeah, it's just not for you. It's okay that they don't design that for bigger bodies. It's okay right. that they don't put the effort into that. And that's the part that gets really frustrating for me, but it's also the part that I find most educational in the comments when you're reading through and you're like, okay, so I see you who represent this large company are telling me that I'm not important in the sewing community. I, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about the people who pay you to represent them either, if that's the perspective you're bringing to it. So for me, I I guess I didn't read enough to even know about who's representing somebody major in the sewing community. I mean, maybe, maybe you want to talk about that. Maybe you don't, but um, I did, I did notice it going downhill fast. I mean, that's, and I, I saw people saying things like that, which is obviously awful. There's a difference in saying, you know, not all designs are for everyone because not everybody wants to wear those designs. That's totally different. You and I will talk about, Hey, you know, like I think we were talking about last week, the Tilly and the Buttons pattern. We thought maybe it's not right for us, although we've seen some better versions since then and we both kind of like it. But um, (laughs) um, but that's a whole different subject from whether it's drafted, if you could get what the package is saying from from doing it. Um, But I just I'm I guess what 
maybe it's just it's revealing what's already there so yes. it's not wrong um it's just the the part of the community that i just gosh i'm just like wow i I think because we're kind of in this bubble of people who contribute, who, who comment on our stuff. We've been really fortunate that we just have people who want to include people that, that tend to follow us. Yeah. I guess if you don't want to include people, you're not going to follow us. I mean, we're probably the wrong podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just not really, when I think of the sewing community, I think of it as inclusive because that's what we've sought to, to make. And I don't know, for me, I just, it, I was unhappy with the way that it kind of shook out. I think, I think for me, so there's a, there's, there's two different sorts of topics there, right? One of them is about the comments on it yes. and you can choose to curate your comments more. You can close comments after putting up the, the post, which I think is the wrong answer, but I mean, you could do something like that. You could go through and, and closely review and curate. You could delete things. They could, could be moderated. Yeah. Stuff. Um, moderate your comments. I honestly prefer it the way it is where you've got kind of the wild west in the comments, accepting for things that should be moderated. But I mean that people can have hearty disagreement over whether or not inclusivity is a thing you want to see, whether or not the bad drafting that you identify is truly bad drafting or if it's a different problem and so forth. I think for me, what's useful here is I often feel like I am alone in finding problems with patterns. And I I am relatively bold. You know, I'll call a pattern designer out for a thing and not just dirty. Um, but but um, I'm not always comfortable with it. There are definitely pattern designs that I have not been willing to publicly say, hey, this is a darling in the pattern community. And this is this has been my experience with their designs. Mm-hmm. And my experience is, is pretty bad at my body size. You shouldn't be drafting your sleeve to have a 16-inch bicep. That's just not realistic with the body that I have. That's not that's not the norm for a st- design chart. And if that's how you're doing it, maybe you don't know fat people. Maybe you haven't found fat testers. Maybe you have, and you've sized it up for them, but figure everybody else will figure it out on their own. I don't know the answer there, but I mean, it's it's something where sometimes I'm not comfortable bringing it out. And this might be a scenario where I am willing mm-hmm. to say if someone could anonymously say, Hey, you know what? This doesn't work. Um, I have seen a couple of designers who've responded to the comments, um, about their designs and yeah, Martha style did actually. Um, absolutely. And if I remember right, Mar- Marsha style, I thought, I thought the response was actually pretty good. Um, do you mind if I read a little bit of those, those things? Um, so the, the complaint originally was the top is just not good. It's oversized, which I usually like, but the shoulders don't hit at the shoulder point, which is essential when you've got shoulders with padding, the pattern states, it's meant to be a bit off the shoulder, but doesn't include variations for the option with the sleeve pillow. So the padding hit halfway down my bicep and I had to do a massive pleat in the center of the shoulder to fix it. Even though I sized down for my measurements, the pattern says it may require an adjustment to get the shoulder to sit on the shoulder, but doesn't give any information on how to do it. And it sort of continues on, on that vein. And with Marsha, um, their response was, I know my patterns aren't for everyone and I'm okay with that. Like ready to wear clothing, the pattern is not created to suit all body types. It's impossible to please everyone. And you would drive yourself crazy trying to do that. I agree with the comments above on the Courtney talk, depending on your body size and a body type and fashion style. I understand it's one's person's view. And I always take feedback on board and amend my patterns when the feedback aligns with my vision of the pattern as intended. In the case of the above, I knew this was going to be an issue for some makers as it was highlighted in the 
the testing process. However, my vision for the fit and style of the Courtney top is as presented on the pattern cover. Suggestions are given within the pattern on how to resolve the issues. If they, they are not in depth as how many in-depth instructions can you include in one pattern? In a nutshell, I'm okay with good and bad reviews. We don't all wear the same clothes and have the same types or body types or fashion sense, and that's okay. I like to think that most people reading reviews on this page appreciate that and that these are one person's view that they'll consider in conjunction with other positive reviews. Not every pattern is for every person. And just because it's not doesn't make it a bad pattern. And I thought that is 100% the way that I hope designers would take it on board. Mm -hmm. And some of the comments that people are going to make through an anonymous site like this are going to be more like, Marsha's style stuff is complete garbage because X, yeah. Y, or Z. And that's how it's going to sound. Mm -hmm. But being able to come in and go, you know what? I'm going to filter for all of the opinion, the part of it that's invective. And I'm going to filter for that. And I'm going to respond saying, yeah, I get it. I'm sorry that was displeasing to you. The feedback I've generally received tells me that doesn't need an adjustment, but I understand from your perspective, it does. And I appreciate both good and bad feedback. I thought that was impressive. And it's the sort of thing where I don't know that I've ever seen a Marsha style pattern or looked at them, but that response makes me want to go look. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's the kind of response that makes me want to do that where you could come in all hot and heavy mm -hmm. or angry or just go and do a post on your own page talking about how horrible it is that people are giving anonymous input on your patterns. But people have always done that. They just haven't done it where you can see it. And so, true. and so at least where it's visible, you have an opportunity to respond and say, Hey, wait a minute. I think I hear what you're saying and I disagree, but I appreciate that you felt you could share that and move on. So, so for what value it has, I think in the end, I, I don't know that it matters what any of us think about this. I don't know if this is going to go any further. I honestly, I wonder if the person receiving it has received the type of feedback that makes them hesitant to continue because as of, um, as of right now, it, it feels like it's been probably a whole two days or three days since the last mm -hmm. post. And, um, and it doesn't necessarily feel like that it's going to continue on. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I would worry. I, I, if there were a way, I mean, I have actually already messaged the account privately and said, I hope you're doing okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I would imagine that there's probably a lot of negativity that gets heaps on you when you, when you make a choice to, to give people a place to anonymously share their feelings. Anyway. Yeah. And I, I will say that the most of the back and forth is not actually the pattern companies coming in and defending no. themselves. It's, it's the, it's people defending the pattern, feeling that they need to defend the pattern company. And um, I think um, I can, yeah, I don't know. For for me, it's not something I I'm gonna follow only because I can see myself getting asked up about something that's just somebody's opinion or something, you know. And you know, you know how I am. I have to kind of watch that. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think in the end, the answer is this is kind of an interesting thing. I'm looking forward to seeing how it develops. I hope it does develop. I hope it becomes a place where you are able to say maybe some of those things that you don't feel comfortable saying in in public. Um, but I also hope that pattern companies are able to step back and say, you know what, if someone's complaining about it, there's a reason. This isn't, this isn't an axe grinding generally. You're probably not going to find a lot of axe grinders. You're going to find people who are like, you know what, I spent money on this and it made me cry. <laughs> and here's mm -hmm. why. 
And if there's a way to see that and not take it personally, that's really great. Um, I'm hopeful that the comment sections will become uh, places for honest disagreement instead of um, invective and, and hatred. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out or if it plays out. Um, it's, I find it interesting. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue to follow and I'll continue to read and I'll definitely continue to bring to the podcast when I see something that it feels like we should talk about. Yeah, that's you keep us posted. <laughs> that way, if you don't want to read it, you can just hold off until I'm like, hey, wait a minute, guys, you have to hear this one because something important happened. And yeah. I like to think that that important thing will usually be like a pattern designer going, oh, shit, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see. We'll see. So what have you done to sew your stash? I feel like I feel like you have probably knocked this out of the park. You think so? I well, do. I have been using my stash pretty exclusively, except for I have one exception. And that is I went yesterday and bought some Merchant of Mills cotton jacquard, which is like quilted fabric, but not quilted, um, for specific projects that Jack that I'm working on. Um, and I think it's okay because I bought it from the store that is this month's sponsor. Awesome. I think that's good. That's almost like advertising. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's okay. But I have also been cutting a bunch of my scraps. So I have all these scraps that, you know, are in various states or whatever, and I don't do much with them, but I decided to make some quilted fabric at some point. And so what I've done is I've just gone and made, I, I'm cutting them like five inch by five inch and anything that doesn't fit into that, just getting tossed. And, um, it's something I can do while I'm watching football, for example. Yeah. Um, and I think then I can make something with it. It makes it simple enough that everything's the same size. No, that's the, wonderful. I love that. Another thing I did for the sew your stash is that I went through and I reorganized my fabric. Like I went through, I took everything off the shelf, put it back on the shelf and some things got kind of moved around or whatever, but I found there has been this fabric that I have been looking for forever that I knew I bought and I could not find it. And I found it when I went through. That's good. Yeah. So I have these bins and I also have my shelf. I put a picture of my shelf because I'm so proud of how it looks. Don't look at the bottom shelf because that's the only shelf I didn't uh, reorganize. And it's so obvious. Why didn't I do that one? Anyway, um, that's not all my fabric. to sit on the floor. Yeah, if right, it were right. me, that would be why I didn't do it. Is because you know it what? would have involved sitting on the floor. The reason I didn't redo redo it is that's knits, and they don't they don't fold up that well. They should actually go in a bin and have something else fair. that folds up. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, anyways, that's not all my fabric, but it's my it's what I call my display fabric, right? So it's the um, yeah the the um the decoration in my room. Okay. How about you? What have you been doing? So I have not bought much in the way of fabric. I've done a little bit of organizing, which I would show you pictures of, but no one would believe I did any organizing, but I've done <laughs> a lot of using scraps. So like I started when I was going through my fabrics, I identified things that I had put back on the shelf, but that aren't actually enough for me to make something for myself mm -hmm. out of where I'd have to color block at the very least. And I put those into a couple of scrap bins by weight. 
So I have, okay. these are all wovens and I've got what I would call heavyweight, midweight, and lightweight wovens. And I've put them into the scrap bins in that way. And then I started assessing them for whether or not they'd be good for making bags for sale mm. or if they were linens, are they the right weight to be napkins or handkerchiefs? Um, and if not, how am I going to try and build them into clothing? Like what's my plan for piecing some clothing out of them? Um, or are they things that are ready to go to someone else for a better opportunity to use? I also went through all of my fabrics looking for those things that have been my stash for a long time and whether they've been there for a long time because I'm afraid to use them mm -hmm. or if they've been there for a long time because why did I buy them? Yeah. And if the answer was, why did I buy them? They have left for another home. And if it's, I'm mm -hmm. afraid to use them, I moved them physically up in my stash area so that mm -hmm. they are at eye level instead of um, sit on the floor level. Yeah, because they are more likely to be used if I can see them consistently. And then as I've sewn, I've been using stash fabric. That is not to say that I haven't bought any fabric, but when I bought fabric, it's actually been for this idea of selling things at this upcoming event where I'm trialing things mm. to see whether they're a type of fabric I'd like to have. The other thing I did was when I was cleaning out all of my stash, I went deep into my quilting stash, which I had forgotten I even had. And I have a deep quilting stash. I have one of those things where like I'll buy, people would release um, and regularly do release like 40 different fabrics in a gradient that are fat quarters. So I've got uh -huh. like 40 or 44 fat quarters in a stack that I bought or yeah. um, they call them layer cakes when they're 10 by 10 squares and things like that. And having identified what I've bought of those, I've been pulling those out with an eye to, would they make a good lining for a bag? Would they be... Um, should I be moving them over into my scraps that I use for doing um, facings and things like that because they're an appropriate weight for many of the garments I make mm -hmm. and so on. So I started trying to organize things with an eye to how I will use them. And then I went through my 500,000 zippers where I think I probably do own 500 zippers or did. And I went through and I selected the zippers that I could imagine how I would use. Like I make not a ton, but I make a fair number of zip separating zipper jackets that are waist length. Mm. So I kept mm -hmm. several of those. Um, these bags I'm using use 20 inch or larger um, regular zippers, not invisible zippers. I hate invisible zippers. Why have I ever bought them? I don't know, but I had a hundred and I got rid of all of the zippers that I won't actually use. And mm. I still have zippers I probably won't actually use, but they're zippers that I would in theory use. They're zippers where I've curated it as, would I actually use this? And the next step for me in the remainder of the month is to go through all of my um, trims and accessory type sewing items. So patches, sewing labels, pom-poms, bias tape, and things like that, and and uh, twilled tape, and so on, and make a decision about what I will use versus what I just kind of have, mm -hmm. so that I can hopefully make a more intelligent choice regarding what I'm what I want to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. I've done a lot of organizing um, in terms of deep stash for sewing. I had all these intents and of course mm -hmm. I made the Pietra pants, which I'd owned for at least a month as a pattern, which for me is a long time, but not a long time. I've gone through all of my patterns at this point and I've gotten rid of any pattern. I don't truly think I'm going to make. I have um, started to identify what I think some of my next things I've had a while and should make patterns are, mm -hmm. but I haven't committed to any of them with one exception. I am. Hinterland. Finally, um, no. <laughs> 
I am finally going to make one of the Blanca um, flight suits. Oh, really? But I'm going to make it with a dress, with a skirt instead of a pants. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So I'm going to start there, but I am, I'm genuinely going to make it. I have the fabric. I found it in my stash. I know what I'm going to do with it. I don't know that I'm going to make it this month, but one of, which is heartening, I hope for others, one of the things I'm doing is I'm committing to this as a stash make and it counts. Mm-hmm. If I take a picture of the fabric and the pattern and post it, it counts. I don't have to have made it. I have to have identified it and tagged it. So that is one of the things I'm, I'm going to do. Um, Other than that, I've obviously I've done almost all of my sewing out of my stash. So anything at all that I, that I list would count. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. I mean, I made that, um, I didn't mention it here, but I mentioned it last week that I made that dress from the oldest one of the oldest pieces of fabric that I have. Um, that's probably the best example, you know, that it, lovely Japanese cotton that I had um, and finally used it in a dress, dress that I, yeah, you know, sort of drafted myself. So I think that's wonderful. And again, as we always say, everything counts. Yeah. You know, if you just want to post a thing about how your stash is so overwhelming, you don't even know how to sew from it. Mm-hmm. counts. Yeah. All we're asking you to do is to use the hand tag and hopefully uh, hand tag the hashtag and hopefully in some way make a comment that's related to yeah the hashtag. Um, it's not intended to be pressure to do a thing that feels uncomfortable to you because it's just too much. Yeah. It's just too much. So, so yeah. Okay. That's what I would say. Well, we have uh, each selected a few ideas from folks that have used the hashtags thus far this month. And I want to talk about this first one because I actually changed out one of mine because this is so cool. So Maggie who sews posted this cool little bag and it's a, it it's, a cassette pouch. It has, she used stash fabric and notions and it's, um, it looks like a cassette tape. It's like pieced together. It's so cool. I love it. I agree with you. It is completely cool. It is one of the cutest things I have ever seen. And, um, and what I like especially about it is how it is, um, imprecise. Yeah, It is something that anybody could feel comfortable sort of eyeballing and putting together. Mm-hmm. And that's part of its charm. It looks better for it. So I, yeah. I think that's an absolutely wonderful one. I love it. What's your first wonderful. one? My first one is actually the opposite of an improvised bag. It is, it is a bag by um, selvage.and.stitch. And this one is a... Um, a practice run, which by the way, totally kills me because this looks like, Oh my God, that's a practice. It's a practice run for a birthday gift for, um, a mother-in-law for a significant other birthday. And it's using one of my favorite fabrics, which is the rifle paper company, um, Mm -hmm. canvases. I love all of those canvases. It's, uh, it's a rectangular bag with a, um, with an obvious diagonal zipper across the front that cuts through that rifle paper company flowered canvas with brown um, leather or leather-like fabric that's the sides and the bottom of the bag. And it has a webbing handle. Um, It has all the right 
I mean, you look at it and you're like, oh, those are all such fancy, the zip pull, the yeah, right. The, oh the my god, hardware and everything else. And again, to me, it's not improvised, but I look at it and I think I can do that. That's a thing I could do. I which don't also think that. I look at me, it and I say, there's no way I could do that. <laughs> oh, I can hundred percent do that. But I also think the neat part was that their view was um, that, that, yeah, this is something completely different and so awesome, totally hooked. So I love that. I thought that was really, really amazing. Okay. Um, my next one is from Doc Firewoman. And she has made this Peppermint Magazine wide strap maxi dress. And she used um, stash fabric, which appears to be Liberty of London fabric. Um, well, I mean- that's beautiful it is yeah (laughs) and it is so cool she has um a sleeve tattoo and it looks so good with it I just I love this this look and I also think I have made that dress in a in a linen that's kind of heavy and I thought oh actually it would be lovely and floaty to wear this in something like a, a a lawn like that I've mostly made it out of Ankara's, but I have, I have mm. not been satisfied with how I've had to grade it up myself because of mm. course it's sizing doesn't include my body. Um, it's good sizing, but it doesn't come up to my yeah. body size. And so, um, so I've been really unsuccessful with it. I'm always jealous when I see a successful version of it because mm-hmm. it, it makes me sad for the ones that I've made and given away because they didn't quite work for me. Um, but it is quite lovely. Um, it is quite lovely for sure. My second one is um, a version. I, I did hit the translate on this because it is not in English. So when you go and look at um, Nahe Cafe Max und Moritz, so it's N A E H Cafe C A F E underscore Max underscore und U N D underscore Moritz M O R I T Z. Um, this is a, an absolutely beautiful dress. It's apparently, it's called the horizon and it was a, it's a pretest. So it may not be out yet by sewing epiphanies, which is a company that I have enjoyed the look of, and they, they do all of their stuff in a good size range. So, um, really neat stuff. This one is a dress that looks like it's, um, got princess seams at the front, sort of a little sweetheart neckline that may or may not have ruching on the top half of it. Um, three, uh, sorry, half sleeves perhaps is what it looks like to me, maybe up to three quarter sleeve with a skirt that I would say is probably a half circle if I were guessing, Mm. um, but might be a little bit more than a half circle. And, um, yeah, it's, it's super cute and, uh, qualified, um, on the basis of, uh, stash fabric, I believe it's really cute. I love it. I also really loved, it caught my eye because of the framing for it. It's yeah. a picture where the person is in the right third of the, the frame and the rest of it is a beautiful, large, um, man-made pond with a, an amazing large building behind it. And I just thought that was a really attractive framing as well. I agree. Okay. And my last one is from Amy of Melbourne and, uh, she made a gift for a friend who gave her all of the vintage sheets from her grandmother's house. And she made this adorable dress from a pillowcase, um, to give to her as a gift. And the, the vintage fabric is just so beautiful. It reminds me so much of Rhiannon Toast and yes. her, her dresses that she makes from the vintage sheets. It's, I love that. It's beautiful. 
I feel like they have the best vintage linens in Australia. I know. I, I think I have so. Never found anything as good here. No, me neither. <laughs> Usually, when I find sheets and the, they're like poly and they're just not even good in the in the store. This is so yeah, beautiful, and I so bet cute. it's so soft. Oh, it has to be. It has to be. I I agree with you. That is one I had selected, um, and then uh, had to reject because I saw that you had gotten there before me. <laughs> now, the final one I've got is from Joe Casting Off. And this was where they discovered some super soft, silky cotton when they were reorganizing. So right there, you got some deep stash, clearly. And they made six mm-hmm. pillowcases, two queen size, four standard. And now they've used up some stash. And I love this because for me, I think sewing for your bed is one of the nicest things you can do for yourself because, yeah. because you're never going to have anything that's as good. Um, I, I really love it. I thought they were super cute. Um, I'd be interested in the pattern that was done for the full ones because yeah. the, the queens seem to be sort of what I think of as a standard one. The full ones appear to have um, possibly some flange stitching around the edges, which may have been done to make them smaller and fit better, or may have been done because they're going to be display pillows on the bed. I don't know. Um, I usually make my pillowcases about 12 inches longer than you think you're going to want them to be because I, um, fold and tuck those in to keep the pillows from escaping at night mm. because my pillows are, um, little Houdinis and definitely try and escape the pillowcases. So, <laughs> Uh, I think that's that's lovely. Um, She took something that was sitting in her stash, not doing anything and made something that she's going to use all the time. Yep. Yep. My favorites are those. Our bed sheets no longer ever match anything because we have a variety of homemade and store purchased bed sheets Mm -hmm. and got rid of all the pillowcases because for us, that's what wears out fastest for whatever reason. We don't change the pillowcases as often as we do the sheets and they do tend to be what wears out fastest. And I've replaced them all with super soft, cotton pillowcases that I've made for us. So nice. our pillowcases are just wild. And so the rest what of, kind of is cotton do you use for them? Like what do you use for your pillowcases? So I usually use high quality quilting cottons, but sometimes, yeah, in fact, almost always, including sometimes some high quality quilting cotton backing fabric mm. that has sort of that satin feel to it. Mm. Um, so I tend to use those and I'm, I'm very happy with them. They feel crisp when you climb into the bed. Yeah. And crisp is what I want out of my pillowcases. I want I want to put my head on it and think, oh, that's cool and soft. Yeah, I think like cotton lawn would be perfect for pillowcases. Like, oh, I would imagine so. Cool feeling, feeling. I might I might almost double that up. It's something where I might line it as well if I were doing that. Oh, okay. Okay. Because again, hard on my pillowcases. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, um, I'm enjoying watching um, people use up their stash. There's still almost half the month left, so I'm sure there'll be much more. If you like this show and you would like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash punk and sign up to be a friend of the show, friends with benefits, or friends (laughs) with gifts. (laughs) <laughs> and that friends with gifts is going to be important sometime in the next few months. So That's keep right. that in mind. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And as well, if you want to go to your favorite podcast delivery source, um, it gives you an opportunity to go ahead and take a look at our show, check out the past shows. But more importantly, you can also 
right? Yes. Review us and you want to give us a five star, obviously. We all know that. Um, but then describe to us what it is your your feelings are on the show. I will say, like one of our recent ones was amazing, best sewing podcast by, and I'm not making this up, PQR9TF83FMG. <laughs> and uh, they said, always searching for sewing podcasts. And this one is hands down my favorite, easy to listen to in terms of guest host interaction and sound quality. Your topics are interesting and relevant and have given me ideas for future makes. Awesome. Who doesn't love that? We love that. We will see, see you, you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. The Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.